Good morning, church family. It's uh, great to be together like this. Uh, I hope you'll agree with me. I, I thought Adele and the band did such a great job this morning leading us in worship in these unusual days. I just want to encourage you uh, that whilst we're in this season, please don't don't see worship as kind of background music on a Sunday morning before the, the talk or the sermon. I want to encourage you to engage your heart in worship. One of the signs of the people of God is that our hearts are filled with joy because God has been at work amongst us. And so as the bands are leading us through these coming weeks, please do join in, sing your hearts out, raise your arms, um, praise God in your living rooms and long for the day when we can be back together again as a church family. Please long for the day, pray for the day, pray for the teams that are working on uh, how we can do that and putting plans in place. But whilst we're in this season, Jesus is still to be glorified. Jesus is still to be worshipped. And so let's do that together, shall we? Um, this morning, we're taking a one-week break from our series that we're on at the moment, working our way through the Gospel of Mark. And this morning, I want us to speak about and to explore together the subject of suffering. Now, why are we taking a one-week break to look at the subject of suffering? The first reason is that, as C.S. Lewis said, um, joy is not the universal language of the human race, but pain is. And so by speaking on the subject of suffering, I'm speaking to every single person who is watching right now. I'm speaking to you. I'm also speaking to myself because each one of us will have experienced pain in different ways in our lives. The second reason why I want us to speak about suffering is because in this current COVID-19 pandemic, it's very natural and understandable to look around and see all of the news headlines and all the suffering that has been experienced by many hundreds of thousands of people around the world and then to as it were look up towards God and kind of say why why God why all this suffering many of you will have seen the film Patch Adams Patch Adams is a brilliant film, and if you've not seen the film, I want to encourage you this afternoon to download it and watch it. It's a brilliant film. It's about a guy who's played by Robin Williams, who is a medical student who believes in the power of laughter to aid recovery for, from people who are unwell. And so him and some of his other friends basically set up a laughter clinic where people come who are unwell and in a medical environment with laughter they're trying to engender healing. But as part of this medical clinic one of the patients actually murders Patch Adams' love, the love of his life, the woman that he's wanting to spend the rest of his life with. And after that moment, there's just this incredible scene where Patch Adams is stood on top of a mountain and he's looking up towards heaven as, as, as it were, talking to God. And he says this, okay, let's look at the logic. You create man, man suffers enormous amounts of pain and then man dies. Maybe you should have had a few more brainstorming sessions prior to creation you rested on the seventh day maybe you should have spent that day on compassion 
You see, in our Western world, suffering is one of those deal breakers for many people in belief in God. Suffering is one of those things that people just can't get past. All they can see is the suffering. And if there is some God, this suffering thing is just so perplexing to them that they're not able to see God in and amongst all the pain. And another really important thing to try and understand is this. When we're talking about suffering, we're not just talking about some abstract fear theoretical or theological issue we're talking about probably the most profound moments of our lives the moments when we know our lives are being turned on their heads the moments when we know we can't go back to how life was before the moments when pain collides with our every day And so just for a few short moments, I want to try and really ask the question, does Christianity have anything to say about suffering in general? Does Christianity have anything to say about suffering that is being experienced by people today in and amongst this COVID-19 pandemic? And if so, what? What does Christianity have to say? And I've really just got two big ideas that I want us to uh, talk together about. And to be honest, these two big, big ideas could each fill their own books. And so I'm really just going to be skating over the surface of these two big ideas. But what my hope is that as we look at these huge ideas, hopefully you will see that Christianity is not stuck for words when it comes to looking at the subject of Christianity. In fact, I want to, I'm hoping that by the end of this talk, you will see that Christianity has not just got words to speak into the suffering that many of us are experiencing, but also powerful, eternal hope. And so I want to just take a few moments to look at two big ideas. The first big idea that I want us to look at is this, that suffering and pain don't have to be evidences against the existence of God as many people expect what was it that patch adam was doing on top of that mountain top patch adam was looking towards heaven and in his kind of prayerful rant he was kind of saying god if you're out there then what on earth is all this pain that you're allowing to happen to me and to the people that are most precious to me pain was becoming a deal breaker for patch adams How do we respond to those kind of piercing questions? When I spoke on suffering a few years ago, after the talk, we actually opened it up for questions. And the first person who asked a question, they put their hand up and they said, my grandson is terminally ill. What does Christianity have to say about that? Friends, the subjects we're talking about this morning are profound and life-changing And what does Christianity have to say about that? The first thing is this. I want you to look at my little rubber band ball. Hopefully you can all see this. It's pretty small. It was put together by my daughter uh, from a bunch of rubber bands that we had. And I want you to try and imagine for a moment. And, And what I'm trying to get you to do is pretty theoretical. So I hope you'll kind of catch on to this but if you can catch on to this I really do believe that it will help you at least to understand suffering in this world I want you to imagine that this little rubber band ball 
is all of my life experiences, all of my knowledge that I've learnt over the years, all of the words of wisdom that I've received from friends and family, all of the things that my teachers told me when I was at school. Basically, this is the sum total of all of my nows. And now I want you to try and imagine next to this little rubber band ball, God's wisdom. How big would God's rubber band ball be? If he existed, how big would his rubber band ball be full of wisdom and experience and knowledge? How big would it be? Would it be the size of a football? Would it be the size of earth? Would it be even bigger than that? And if so, is it not just possible that there are some things that God is doing in and amongst the suffering that we see around us that we just can't comprehend? You see, for many of us, we ask the question, God, why are you allowing all of this suffering and all of this pointless suffering and contained within that sentence is what Tim Keller would describe as a faith statement. And the faith statement is basically seeing only things that fit into my little world of knowledge can really be meaningful. But maybe, just maybe, there is a God. And if there is a God, maybe he just has a bit more wisdom and knowledge than I do. And if so, there may be things and experiences that I can't comprehend that in the grand scheme of things, when we get to the end of the race, we'll be able to look back on and say, aha, now I see. Maybe, just maybe, God can be working his good out in and amongst the suffering. The second thing that I want to say, and and I've really tried to work hard to not sound callous in what I'm about to say. But why do you care? Why do you care so much about the suffering of other people? A few weeks ago, the news headlines were filled with the unlawful killing of George Floyd. And as I watched those headlines, my heart sank and was moved with pain. When I see photos from distant lands where people are suffering because of malnutrition and because of famine, my heart is moved. When I see photos and images of natural disasters or evil acts, my heart is moved. And the question that we need to ask ourselves is why? Why do we care so much? You see, in the world that we live in and with popular evolutionary theory, actually, the world that we live in should be dog-eat-dog. The world that we live in should be a place where the weak are gobbled up by the strong. And so when we see pictures of uh, far and flung distant lands where people are suffering, we should be glad because there are less people now fighting for limited resources but actually that's not how we respond how we respond is with compassion how we respond is with aching hearts and longing that the world would be different and I want to ask you the question where did that come from where did 